0: Well, I don't know if you take this as good news or as bad news, but summer is halfway over. Summer is halfway over, and you're like, Justin, how, how can this be? Well, it's July 9th. If you didn't notice that it was July because of the fireworks and stuff like that, it's July. And some of you go back to school the first week of August, some of you the second week of August, most of you are back in rocking by like August 15th or something like that, and uh, I don't know if that makes you sad or if that makes you happy, Um, I'm kind of tired, so I'd like for you to go back to school and uh, I get a little bit of a break whenever that happens, but it also is the halfway point because we are on the second half of our study for the summer the first half of the study uh, we looked at the essentials we had the six essentials bible study prayer worship you know all those fun things and now we are on to the nine marks of a healthy church and you're saying but that can't be halfway it can't be halfway because there's six essentials and there's nine marks of a healthy church well you have to remember that for some of the essentials, we did Bible study on Sunday, and then we came back on Wednesday night, and so that's how it kind of stretched out, but I'm looking forward to this study. It should be a great one, and I know that you guys will be blessed from our time together. So you can go ahead and write that on the top of your um, outline or your, your notes, if uh, if you have those. You can notice that we are anxiously waiting for Sandy to get back in town because we're, we're out of pads and Bibles and pins and stuff like that. She's having a great time uh, with her family in Idaho, but we look forward to her coming back and, and getting some of those things going again, all right? Nine marks of a healthy church. But why are we studying these nine marks? Why did we uh, choose to do this? Well, first of all, we chose this study so that you would recognize... The identity of a healthy church. So that you would recognize the identity of a healthy church. Secondly, we're going to do this so that you realize the importance of a healthy church. Recognize the identity of a healthy church and realize the importance of a healthy church. Now, why do we want to accomplish these two goals? Countryside has been here since, what, the early 80s, around in there, all right, and we, by the grace of God, would fit these nine marks of a healthy church, and we would like for that to continue, right? Unfortunately, there are really, really good churches throughout the centuries that started out great and started out faithful, but... 50 years later, 60 years later, 100 years later, they're a dumpster fire of a church. Or they're no longer a church. You think of the seven churches of Revelation. Most of them were rebuked because they had abandoned the gospel or they had grown lax in their application of the scripture. And we need you to rise up and be the next group of leaders in this church so that we may maintain our status as a pillar of the truth. A pillar of the truth. How many of our uh, youth leaders here today were in our youth group? You can raise your hand. A lot of them, right? Some of you are like, eh, kind of shy. It's a lot of them. You know, our, the, the youth that I was in the youth group with, uh, they're, they're doing things like leading music at times. They're on our finance committee. Some of them are, are running children's ministry programs. And so that's how the church operates. We teach, we train, we, ri- we raise up the next generation so that they know those things. You know, when people say, hey, you, ha- you have a good youth group, I'm like, well, we have a good God, and I'm just copying what Rocky did. Rocky was my youth pastor. This is how he would do things. This is why he would do things. And I'm going to keep maintaining that and perpetuating it. So I want you to recognize the identity of a healthy church because unfortunately, most churches are not healthy. And I don't say that from a prideful standpoint. All right? I say it for this. One, they're either promoting a false gospel, so they're a false church. They're a dead church. We believe that we're all sinners, that we're separated from a holy and righteous God, that you must both repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. A lot of these churches out here that you drive by, they add on uh, water baptism. You have to be baptized to be saved. Or they preach a a gospel that's about, um, you know, good works. And so cross them off right there. They don't preach the true gospel They are not a true church. They are a dead church. But then you do have some churches that possibly they're well-meaning, but their um, ideology and their philosophy of ministry is skewed. And so the results are skewed. You have some that are seeker-sensitive, what we would call, where when it comes to the church, they want to make it friendly and inviting to unbelievers so that they can repetitively share the gospel with them. But they never move on from that. They never keep growing. They never keep discipling. They stay at the base level. The reality is, the church is not for the unbeliever. The church is for the believer. Unbelievers are welcome, and we're going to challenge them with the gospel, but we're not going to put them in VBS as a servant. We're not going to tailor our services to the unbeliever. But that's unfortunately what other churches have done. Some of the churches are not healthy because they're all about money. Oh my. There are men teaching twisted and wicked words to get those dollars out of your bank account. There are men using the scriptures to get power and fame. And James 3 tells us what's going to happen to them. Let not many of you become teachers because you will incur a stricter. Judgment. So we want you to identify, recognize the identity of a healthy church. And I would challenge you, when we walk through these nine marks, I want you to think about countryside in that light. Is this us? Is this what we're doing? You know, uh, Rich Dewey was an elder. He's, he's now in Florida. And he always had that phrase. He said, guys, we need to protect against doctrinal drift. And he had that perspective and that mindset is if we do this, does this cause us to drift away from the foundations of the Bible? And we need to analyze that. And we need you to analyze that. And my prayer is, and I believe, that you're going to come to the conclusion that this is a healthy church. So you're going to want to come here not just because mom and dad dragged you here, because you want to be here. That you want to be here. When we talk about this generation, and obviously when you go over to the main worship service, some of you love the orchestra, and you love the choir, and you love the hour-long lesson. Others would be like, can we have like a 15-minute lesson? Well, you can't really teach in that amount of time. Or maybe there's a different style of of music that you would like or that you would enjoy. All right, The style of music is a a preference thing. That's not a a deal-breaker with it. I hope that you see that we are practicing these things and it makes you want to be here. And it makes you want to show up. And it makes you want to be a part of things. Realize what a church does and how important it is to you. Because when we talk about preaching, when we talk about church discipline, when we talk about evangelism, I hope that you realize that you need this church. Just like you need the essentials, that you need A good, solid church. When it comes to the church itself, what are we talking about? The the word church in the New Testament is the Greek word ekklesia. And it simply means a called out assembly. A called out gathering. But it's more than that. It's a called out assembly for the specific purpose of bringing glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Of worshiping God And if this is our timeline here, and this handy little arrow is eternity past, we know we have creation, we know we have Abraham, we know that we have Israel. With Israel, did they go to church? Where the nation of Israel, what did they do when they went to worship? Where did they go? They went to a synagogue, right? And their synagogue was the place where they would go and hear the teaching and they would gather. We know that they would go to the temple for the sacrifices. But the local gathering in their area was called the synagogue. Alright, that is a Hebrew thing. That's not a Christian thing. We now have a church. We have the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in, uh, he teaches his disciples in Matthew 28. This is the purpose statement for the church. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, I want you to keep in mind the command is not go. The command is not go. That is a participle. And the idea with this is as you are going, make disciples. Make disciples. What does it mean to make disciples? Well, once they have become saved, you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You teach them to observe all that I commanded you. And he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So as we are going about this life, as this church is going about its business, we are spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And when people have become converted and they become Christians, we then baptize them and we teach them what it means to be a Christian and how to serve. And that is what the church is for. The church is not uh, to be a comfort level for unbelievers to come and we repetitively share the gospel with them. It is for the building up of the body of Christ so that you then go into the world and you share the gospel with others. Share the gospel with others. When I read your ministry applications... All right when i want to read your ministry applications most of you you became saved through the preaching of the word from tom in the main worship service you became saved at one of our youth meetings or on a youth trip but a lot of you you became saved by your parents or because of that vbs teacher or because of that older mentor that shared with you it's a relational thing Where we are here rooted and grounded in God's word. And then in our daily lives we are sharing the gospel. And seeing people come to faith in Christ. But then we teach them. We teach them the word and how to obey. Jesus after giving that command is going to ascend in Acts chapter 2. And he's going to go into heaven at Pentecost. That initiates what we call the church age. So he taught you know, Matthew, Peter, James, John, all of those guys, so that the truth they had, they would begin the church. And you have the church age, and then at the end of the church age is what we call the rapture, and that's 1 Thessalonians 4. The church age continues on until Jesus comes back and he raptures up all believers. And if he raptures up all believers, there is no church here. We're all in heaven. After the rapture, we have an event called the tribulation. It's a seven-year tribulation. And know this, that there will be many that come to know Christ during that seven-year tribulation. An angel himself will proclaim the gospel. A remnant of the Jews, the, ne- the nation Jew- uh, of Israel, will come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and will live through that tribulation. But many will be punished and will die and will be judged. At the end of the seven-year tribulation is the second coming. When Christ will come and he will bound Satan and he will set up his rulership on earth for a literal thousand years. So we need to understand this church age is for a very limited time. But what it's meant to do is to take the truth that Jesus trained those disciples with and we're supposed to teach it to other people to make more disciples that are little Christs, Christians, that are following. And that's why we're here. That's what we're here to do. When it comes to the church, there is the universal church. This is all believers. All believers are part of the universal church. Whether you live here or whether you live in a far off land like Keller or whether you live all the way in Singapore or Russia or whatever it is, you are part of the universal church. But then there is also the local church. Countryside Bible Church is a part of the universal church, but it is a local church. And some would argue the local church is not really important. Well, you look at the New Testament. You had a church in Jerusalem. You had a church, uh, who is it? Titus was establishing churches in Crete. You have church in Ephesus and Thessalonica and all those were local churches. What are the dangers of losing sight of the universal church? Sometimes we can kind of get in our holy huddle mindset, like we're the only ones that are right. We're the only ones that are Christians. No, 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 it's far more than that. So we should be praying for the persecuted church abroad. All right, here are your brothers and sisters in Christ, but you also have brothers and sisters in Christ. In China, they get thrown in prison if they have a Bible or they, they teach a sermon. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that live in the, you know, the Islamic countries that are being killed. We need to understand that, all right, that we're part of the universal church. But what is the purpose of the local church, you would say? I've heard some say, well, I don't go to church because I'm part of the universal church. And I'm like, oh, that's lazy. That's convenient. Is that like some spiritual connection thing you have with everybody? No, I just don't want to show up to a church. You're part of the universal church, but you need to come and you need to be taught and you need to be discipled and you need to be serving. Their mindset's a very selfish mindset. When it comes to youth group, and you know this, right? If you wanted to serve in VBS, in Awana, on our music team, you have to also consistently go to what we call big church, or what I call big church. Call it the corporate worship, or the worship service, or whatever you want to call it, okay? Why is that? Our elders have said That is our main time of worship together. Older saints, younger saints, rubbing elbows, singing praise, hearing from our pastor, being taught the truth of the word. That is really important. I love that you're here. I want you to keep coming here. But I want you in there. But I want you in there. And we don't want someone serving in VBS that says, I don't want to do that well, what are you going to be teaching those little kids? We want those little kids to go to the worship service, but you don't go to the worship service. We don't want you serving in a wanna because you're supposed to be modeling what is true and what is right, but you refuse to do that. So it's important to us. But when you do that, you're you're singing the songs with everybody, you're connected, it's good. Come to youth, but youth is a part of church, but the, the main worship service is more a focus than that. Oh, little side note now. (laughs) You know, the ministry application, you just, it's an honor system. You tell me you consistently attend. Now I can track all your attendance. I even have a youth leader that runs all of that, Chelsea. (laughs) So I've started to run reports to track your attendance in the service. And there's some of you, you're about to get a message saying, hey, look, what's the deal? We're going to need to remove your ministry approval, and you're going to have to go through the process again Until I see recorded attendance up there. So that little pad that slides by. Make sure that you're signing it. Or the mom or dad is signing it. Or use the QR code or whatever it is. Because some of you I know when it comes to three services. It's going to be pretty hard to track things. Because I don't know if you're going to first or third. Most of you are doing a fantastic job when I run that report. And I go yes. Makes my youth pastor heart happy. But some of you have shown up one time on a report in six months. It could be that you just didn't sign it. That, that happens all the time. But what I'm saying is sign it. Sign it. Or we're going to start changing a few things on that. Um, I need to fast forward just a little bit. Let's go to, we talked about the essentials already. Uh, when, it ta- when it comes to big church, the two emphases that we have, uh, what make us special in difference is we have a high view of God and we have a high view of scripture. You seen that anywhere? Where have you seen that? Yeah, in the lobby, which before we had a foyer, whatever that means. But now we have a lobby, and when I hear lobby, I think, let's go out to the lobby, let's go out to the... But, but you're too young for that. You don't understand what that little thing was, the intermission, okay? But it's a, it's a lobby, okay? Uh, and, and when you walk in, we used to call those vomitories, but they, that sounded gross, so I don't know what we call those anymore. But in the lobby... It says, high view of God, high view of scripture. Well, what does that practically mean? When you come to church, it should not be a casual thing. Think of the Jews that went to the temple to worship God. You are coming to church to worship the one true God. He demands your attention. He demands your focus. He demands your praise. He demands your mind to be engaged, Christian. High view of God. I think if you were, uh, got an opportunity to, to visit the White House, which might be a bad example these days, or something like that. That, w- that would be a imp- big, important thing for you, right? And for some... It starts with that attitude of how they even dress on a Sunday morning. And, and we, we're not legalistic with it, but if you showed up in your flip-flop shorts and uh, tank top, it'd be kind of weird. That's, other churches, that's a thing. And we don't have a set rule of what you should and should not wear, but it shouldn't just be you grab whatever's on and then you pop in. There should be a mindset and a thought process to it. This isn't like me going to play volleyball with my friends over here. This is something where it, it's, and again, we don't want to be legalistic with it, but that, that's part of it. And we're gonna We don't want to wear anything that's going to be distracting to other people that are around us. To, to be focused. And to come in there and our mind is engaged. A high view of God and a high view of scripture. Unfortunately, I've heard of churches where the guy walks up, teaches one verse, picks up the pulpit, puts it in the back, and goes and teaches his lesson. And it's whatever he wants. Shame on that man. Or they'll have a verse. And they'll just take it. And they'll twist it to whatever it is. The word of God. Is important to us. It's important to us. It's our rule book. It's our instruction booklet. It's our blueprint for how to live. And what to do. Uh, you ever go over to a friend's house. And you play a board game. The kids still play board games. And there's there's a. A, a rule, do you, do you get to the, the money from Monopoly if you land on it or you go there, how much money, and then they do something and you're like well that's not a real rule and they're like well house rules, like what do you mean well it's my house, I make the rules, well why don't we let like Hasbro make the rule because it's already like printed there, okay, they're really not that confusing we have the rules and they're here and what we do and how we do and when we do it, it's all right here and we're all supposed to have the mind of Christ. And how do we know the mind of Christ? It's right here. So we want the word being taught. We want the word being taught. And you go to a lot of youth groups and you think they're going to teach you for 35, 40, 45 minutes? No. They're going to tickle your ear. They're going to make you feel good. They're going to have fun. And you're going to walk away. I love this word too much to not teach it to you. Because I know this will change hearts. This will change lives. And I want to study diligently so that I tell you accurately what it is. And our leaders here, those that teach, go through a rigorous training process and a vetting process before they ever step foot up here. We have a high view of God, and we have a high view of Scripture. When it comes to Nine Marks, I won't go through all of this in detail, but Nine Marks isn't my idea. It's actually a ministry um, by Mark Dever. Mark Dever is a pastor in Washington, D.C., a great man. Um, We we enjoy him and a lot of the things that he does. Uh, The Nine Marks is a great way to find a church. So, you, y'all that are considering where to go to church when you go to college, this is a good place to start. There's also a TMS pastor website that you can go to. Um, so, for instance, uh, Tucker had a basketball camp at Arkansas Tech, and so we'd never heard of Arkansas Tech before. We've never heard of Russellville, Arkansas. So I hopped on the Nine Marks website, typed in Russellville, Arkansas. Two churches that would identify with the Nine Marks were on there. Well, one of them, I went to their website, and it was... So we decided not to do that because you kind of opt in to being a Nine Marks Church. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you are. But the other one we found was great. And so last Sunday, we had a wonderful time of worshiping with a small church that met in a senior community center. And uh, they actually sat down to sing songs. Blow your mind, right? And then they would stand up and sing some of them. And it was a wonderful time of fellowship. And we found this really cool like-minded church. Well, if you're already thinking about what college to go to, it's so much easier. Back in my day, we had to walk up to both, you know, uphill both ways to school in the snow barefoot, right? Well, I, when I went to Baylor, I was leafing through. We had this thing called the phone book. The phone book. And I was leafing through the phone book trying to find a church. And I would call people and like, hey, are you a solid biblical church? Why, yes, I am. Well, can I get your doctrinal statement? It's the Bible in a click. It was very difficult. Well, you can go watch their service for crying out loud. So you already know that ahead of time before you even choose somewhere, but they have that. But they also have what are not the nine marks are. Preaching. Faithful preaching, exposition of God's word. And it's okay to do selected lessons, right? Because I'm doing one right now. I'm doing a topic, but you don't want it to always be topics. You want to start in a book and go chapter 1, verse 1, and woo, away you go, and you learn. Biblical theology is the God that you are teaching, the God of the Bible. The gospel, if you don't get the gospel right, then you're not a true church. Conversion, okay, conversion is when you become a believer, you have died to old self, you've been raised anew. 2 Corinthians 5:17. You're looking at Romans 6, but some would say, "Oh, hey, uh, you said a prayer at one point, you're in." Yeah, but there's no change in my life. It doesn't matter. You said that prayer. Um, you you walked an aisle. Uh, you came to a church service. You're in. That's what we would call like cheap believism or easy believism. All right, and I've had even elders at churches tell me, "Hey, look, um, I know this person, and they became saved." but there was never any change in their life. But I know they're saved. And so I said, so that person had the Holy Spirit indwelling them, and they never exhibited the fruit of that Spirit? That is not true. That's a lie. So conversion is a part of it. Um, Evangelism. Evangelism. We should be going out into the world and sharing the gospel, but an even better model is to be sharing with the people that are in your life. Sharing with the people. It's okay to go out and share with strangers. Most of the time we see people come to know Christ, it's from people they already know. People on their sports team, people in their school, people in their neighborhood, people in their family. And so you have a responsibility, Christian, to practice evangelism. Uh, Church membership. And you're like, well, I didn't think church membership was a biblical command. There's no verse that says, thus must be a membereth right? That would be the New King James or something like that. But you can see from the book of Acts that the church there, they were numbered. They, they kept a record of those who were associating with them. And so for our church, um, we'd ask that those that want to be a part of our church go through the membership process. So we make sure we're on the same page and we believe the same things. We understand the philosophies of ministry. And so there's certain areas of ministry that you can't serve in if you're not a